Uh, no, no, I got it. Hello and welcome to the next episode of PPC Town Hall. My name is Fred Valles. I'm your host and I'm also the co-founder and CEO at Optimizer. So thank you for joining us today. We're back for another episode of PPC Town Hall and we've got some amazing guests. Uh, we got Google to come back on the show. And whenever we have Google on, I know those are the ones with great engagement, great questions, uh, because who better to ask all your burning automation and bid management questions to than the company that's in charge of it all, Google. So uh, we'll be talking to them here in a minute. But really, the uh, the topic of today's session is about how to drive better leads and get more sales in an automated world. Now, here's a little fact. The majority, the vast majority of advertisers today are no longer doing manual bid management. They're using smart bidding from Google. 70% um, is a number that I've heard, but that, that's a pretty big number, right? And so the question that always becomes, well, if 70% of advertisers, potentially including yourself, are using automated bidding, how do you stand out from a field where everybody's using the same sort of technology? And this is really interesting because even though 70% of advertisers are doing smart bidding, only a fraction of that, actually less than 5%, are using the techniques that work best to optimize that smart bidding system. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What, what are those techniques to give the machine more information, more data, so it can start to do a better job? And this is a true opportunity because, like I said, it's less than 5% of advertisers are doing this. Yet we've seen that when they do it, it really works. So how can you become those next 5% and still have an edge over the 90% of people who aren't watching this, who aren't doing this? And, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So I'm really excited about this one. So let's get started with PPC Time Hall. All right. And here are my guests. Uh, we have Emmy and Alex. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you guys doing? Very good. And Emmy, you're still on mute. So uh, yeah. we have there we go. Hey, Emmy. Hi, Fred. How are you? Nice to see you again. So uh, for the folks who've watched a lot of our episodes, Emmy's been on a number of times. So thank you for coming back on. Alex is a first timer here. Um, Alex, tell, tell us a little bit about what you do. You're uh, a lead on automation, right? Yeah, very nice to meet you all. So I'm original product lead automation. So I mean, so working with large customers and uh, agencies in America still. Um, so anything under the world, uh, smart bidding and automation related. So teaching the agencies and companies how to successfully de-ize our, our resources uh, to get the success from the business. Nice. And that's cool because you actually work with the agencies. So this isn't just uh, theoretical. This is actually going in rolling up your sleeves and making sure it really works. Rolling up on sleeves and before joining Google was in the agencies myself. So definitely feel the pain oh, that they're being in customer directly as well. Can you tell us what agency you were with? Uh, which agency? Oh, let's reserve it for the later time. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay, maybe one of those sneaky ones that was always like pushing uh, the boundaries. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good one. That was a good, was a good one. one. Cool. Hey, well, thanks for joining us. Um, Everyone watching, we like to know where everybody's calling in from today. So uh, that's also a good way to get warmed up. So in the comments on LinkedIn, on YouTube, uh, by the way, we're streaming on LinkedIn live for the first time ever. So that's really exciting. But, uh, but use the comments on those live platforms. And when you put in comments, 
we can see those. We'll put them up on the screen. So tell us where you're calling in from to uh, to get that tested. And then also use that to use questions. Um, so we've heard that roughly there's about a 30-second delay. So if we don't get to your question right away, we'll do our best to. Um, but that's how we have some engagement on this show. Now, usually we have kind of just a conversation between the three panelists. Today, we're going to do it uh, slightly differently. So we actually do have a slide deck. Um, so we're going to pop that up on the screen here. And this is just going to help us go through kind of all the content that we have. It's going to have a lot of visuals, which will help explain some of the concepts. But that said, um, we've asked Emmy to kind of be our moderator today. Um, and then uh, Alex and myself and Emmy will all go through. But uh, but Emmy's going to help us kind of like have a, a really good conversation around all of this. So as far as the agenda goes, we have uh, tracking what matters to your business. So how do you use value bidding as a prioritization tool? Uh, and this kind of speaks to, you know, in the old days of manual bidding, we all had bid adjustments, right? We'd all set hour of week bid adjustments, geo bid adjustments, device bid adjustments. And then we, we kind of lost that when we started doing automated bidding. But there's still ways to actually inform the machine about those uh, adjustments that you want to set and bring them back in, even though you're using smart bidding. It's just a different way to do it. And those ways, which we'll discuss too, are OCI, which is offline conversion import. I think everyone on the call has heard about that one, but then there's two that uh, a lot fewer people have heard about, and that's conversion adjustments and conversion value rules, which is currently in beta. So we'll be covering those as well. So, uh, so that's the agenda we've got lined up for today. Uh, but Emmy's going to kick us off with uh, a great story here that uh, has just been published. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so before going into the deep dive, I have an article I want to share with you. Um, so improving lead quality and sales is really important and increasingly important for marketers today. Um, for those who watched uh, some of the, our videos, 70% of legion-focused marketers said the most important strategy is improving the quality of leads. So based on the survey, uh, today, we are really excited to have Alex as a speaker to talk about value-based bidding and tips on how to deliver higher ROI. Uh, so that's the topic of today. In this article, I, I'm going to share the, the link with you in a chat box. Uh, but there are three main things that I um, take away is one is the importance of collaboration with the finance team. And then the second is key misconception of article steps to unlock the potential and additional profit for your campaigns. And then three is a checklist for finance and marketing team uh, for the alignment. Uh, so you'll see the link in the chat box. Please uh, check out after this webinar. Yeah, and it's really fascinating to involve the, the finance team in sort of making these value decisions because oftentimes we see the marketing team acting independently and just kind of like guessing a ROAS target. Um, but often that ROAS target is disconnected from profit goals. So it's, it's really cool when you see a company taking it all the way and talking to finance and, and literally asking the questions about how much does online marketing need to contribute to the bottom line? Um, and what kind of decisions do we make, right? Like, is this channel better than that channel? And how do we compare it all? Um, so I've definitely seen great implementations of that. Good. Uh, and the link, we've put it on the screen. It's already in the chat notes uh, on the live stream. So you can find that right there. Um, sorry. And every time I click on that, it opens up the article. But here's the, uh, the next slide. Great. So with that, Alex is going to take away. 
Thank you, Amy. Uh, it's a great um, the story. So everyone will be benefiting of like collaborating with our finance team. Um, so here quickly, it's more like for importance why the customer data really, uh, it's important to the, pull it back and uh, really upload to the system so that Google algorithm machine learning does actually work together and actually optimizes for the goals you like to. So from here, you can see that integrating multiple sources of customer data actually significantly improves revenue. So we on average see 20% incremental revenue uplift and actually 20, 30% uh, more of like efficiency. So from cost per acquisition and ROAS perspectives. So this really speaks to why we should be doing offline conversion import or offline conversion tracking. Um, you know, if your first party data really matters. So that that uh, so let's step a little bit quickly, go for this one, but maybe uh, just kind of take a look and hear all the typical funnel look like look like. Um, hypothetical example here of like university, right? You have like request information, you have application started, completed, and actually student enrolled. If you are tracking only upper funnel request info, which uh, would have sometimes typically customers and agencies track. Then you're not only like not really uh, discovering all the questions, right? So you only have like upper funnel information and data available to Google to actually optimize from smart being perspective. If you start tracking that student enroll, that's really good next step. But then, as you can see here in the example, you only like one percent conversion rate, maybe in like only twenty students enrolled. Really, a lot of information is still missing, even though you already start tracking that on um, actual. Um, deals or actual students enrolled in this example. Exactly. So, and what we see most advertisers do is they you ask them put up conversion tracking, and then they're like, "Well, the conversion is somebody filling out the form on the page," because honestly, that's the easy thing to put a pixel on, right? But then all this stuff that happens after that's actually that's the true goal, right? And there's this huge disconnect that we see in terms of what you tell Google the goal is and what you actually care about in the business. Um, and so it's like these next three steps, they're just not feeding back into the machine learning system. And so then the smart bidding system is like, well, okay, I thought I did a good job for you. I got you more people filling out the form, but did they actually become customers? Exactly. So that, that's always a struggle to so making sure like we always a pure connection between your goals and what you're actually telling the system to, because it doesn't read your mind. So you need to help it with, uh, uploading that information. Man, that's and, a really good point that you said, right? Like reading your mind. Well, it didn't need to read our mind because when we were manually setting bids and manually optimizing stuff, like it's in our mind that we're, we're using those internal knowledge that we have to make mm -hmm. those difference, but the machine doesn't have it. And so it's just making the wrong decision in, in many cases. Yeah, exactly. So like uh, having a step beyond that and actually uploading, not just the, oh, like, the upper funnel conversion action within you online, but also multiple steps, like more like a customer journey, as we call it, it like you know, middle funnel conversions, like application started and completed, will also have different signals which you provide. And um, it's kind of think about the prioritization steps and then uh, which one have different values associated with actually the end of the business results. So that all helps to drive machine learning to the goal we actually like to see. Um, and uh, one more thing you should be tracking, not only the steps, but also helping with tracking expected value. So think of expected value, how much you need to give to the system in terms of prioritization, and then how much on average will that yield to your business? Even though like only students enrolled technically here from this perspective are contributing directly to your bottom line, still applications completed in the start, it will be really hugely 
important and uh, helpful for the system to know if you do put a expected value. Don't get hang up on the numbers specifically. Think of more of a uh, helping the system word to put a, a lead quality to. So think of like more of like a scoring technique or tool. Um, and we can go a little more examples how you efficiently do that in the next slides. Yeah, and then the other thing I want to point out here, so these are really starting points, right? So like Alex is saying, don't focus too much on getting it absolutely right. And these are the calculations if you want to go. Um, this is what so we can always go back, right, and look at how this was calculated, but that's mm -hmm. how we got the numbers. These are just starting points. So what we're talking, what we'll talk about towards the end of the presentation today is really, okay, now that you have your starting point, what if you realize that the student who enrolled wasn't actually worth 10,000, but maybe twice as much because they enrolled in a different program, right? And that's where you can use value adjustments and the other techniques we'll talk about to even refine this. But these are just your starting points to point the machine in the right direction. Exactly. And uh, there's like a lot more uh, techniques could be involved for more like advanced strategies and conversion adjustments is one of them lifetime value imports, or like actually bringing to your flank conversion imports, not only the actual deal value, but how much on average you estimate that student, maybe they will come back from bachelor's to master's degree. Mm -hmm. So you can also estimate that and then uh, have the fit it to the system. So that also optimize properly. Yeah, here's an example. Like uh, if you do have 20% conversion rate between applications completed and student enrolled, then you can estimate based on number of uh, students or applicants completed and how many students actually enrolled your values here. So they're kind of working backwards, you can assign uh, those values, uh, monetary values to the conversion actions, right? So keep that important. And then I encourage everyone to optimize on what matters to your business from account settings perspective to include those conversion actions as yes, as goals. And then those associated, associated conversion actions should be having like those expected values. So the system knows to which conversion actions to optimize. Let, let me ask you a question, folks. Uh, I do encourage you all to ask questions as well in the, uh, the, the comments. So here we're really talking from the, the form fill, which is typically considered the conversion to the actual conversion of the student signing up. Um, but sometimes advertisers don't have a ton of data. Have you seen examples where micro conversions before even the form fill can be valued differently and can help the machine get more of the behaviors that seem to matter. So for example, say that, um, like say optimizer, right? We have, we have a pricing page. So we know that if somebody looks at the pricing page, but they didn't sign up, that's still probably a more qualified lead than someone who just kind of browsed a few pages on the website, but didn't even care about pricing. Um, so have you seen scenarios where you put those in as micro conversions? Um, before the actual preliminary conversion to, to help steer the machine to get me more people with those behaviors? And think of both Legion and retail world, right? So you can have different micro-conversion actions even on the retail side as well. Yeah, what would be something like on the retail side that you've seen? So like add to cart is a really common um, intermediate step for retailers. Yeah. So it's definitely not page views, so don't do that. Uh, but for actual between the purchases, which your ultimate goal is, or importing lifetime values, advanced techniques, uh, some customers and agency prefer to also have that add to card and then maybe exactly as a math goals here, just to estimate the, those add to card values um, to encourage the smart being only, not only to be towards that final sale, but sometimes just bring up the um, volume in terms of conversions by tracking that add to, add to card.
Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Okay, so <clears throat> while everyone is answering that question, um, I just want to share one case study. Uh, this is from Zen Businesses, and what uh, What's great about this is they were spending a lot of time making constant manual beat management and, and as well as other adjustments. Um, they implemented uh, smart bidding and using automation and first data, party data, uh, particularly offline conversion uh, as well. So what we've seen here is uh, year over year, 400% increase in acquisition uh, as well as 25% saving in acquisition cost. Uh, the team, the sales team is regularly outperforming uh, the acquisition targets as well as uh, single day and a week records. Uh, so that's, that's an amazing story coming from the actual customer integrating automation and a first party data. And the benefit is this is not only the cost in acquisition, it's, uh, it's also the time for your team to focus on something else other than manual bidding. So that's one great story that I share, wanted to share with you today. Nice, yes, and it's this whole brave new world of uh, you know, account optimization is different, right? It's uh, no longer about bids and keywords and the ads. And you still need to do those things, but there's a lot of other stuff you can do. Yes that uh, frees up time to maybe more strategic about your messaging. What about, uh, Fred, what about optimizer case? Do you have any case uh, from your customer story? Yeah, well, I mean, so in our case, what we really focus on is, is giving people back time. Um, and so I think it's very similar to smart bidding. Smart bidding takes care of like these little details that are really not what humans are best at. And in the case of optimizer, we, we run through these huge calculations and we tell you here's a b testing that we've run across your whole account for ads and so instead of you spending the whole morning doing that sort of an analysis now you do it in five minutes and you're done and you can actually spend that half a day being strategic about what is my next set of messaging uh, or it gives you time to test out a new capability like uh, in value rules which we'll discuss in a bit so so i think at the core it's the same mm -hmm. we're trying to give you the same thing which is we'll give you back your time um, and in slightly different ways, like Google is really heavy on AI, machine learning, super high-end stuff. And honestly, I don't think any tool vendor um, can come anywhere close to what Google's doing. We just don't have the resources. We don't have as many smart engineers as Google does. And we have smart engineers, just not quite as many. You do. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, it's about giving you back time and so you can be more strategic. Uh, okay. And I know we've, uh, we've got a poll question that we put up here. Um, and then we have a question from the audience that we'll jump into as well. Uh, but we're curious, so how many of you use smart bidding and offline conversion import? Uh, tell us why or why not in the comments. And uh, we'll try to put those comments up on the screen here. Um, and again, remember about 70% plus of advertisers use smart bidding. So we'd love to know if you're still in that camp of not using it, why don't you like it? Um, and if you're in the camp of already using it, we'd love to know, are you already using some sort of value adjustment system like offline conversion import to better educate the machine? So I'll put that in the comments. Um, and then we have a question. Um, so Grant is asking, what's a good number of conversions and micro conversion types to have for an account? Is there a point at which you just have too many? Alex, what have you seen? 
too many conversions. There's no such thing as too many conversions. Um, there's definitely need to prioritize conversion actions, which are actually driving the, the success to your business. So like, uh, as we saw in the slide for in the educational client here, like not only upper funnel leads, but also like intermediate steps all the way to the actual closed deal. So focus on that as much as possible. Um, the good news is that the next technique, which we're going to go next into tomorrow, like a prioritization technique of assigning different expected values is a good tool that you don't need um, to be hang up on how many conversions you have. Because if you only optimize this for like one conversion action from offline conversion tracking import, then there's like certain number of conversions you need to have. But then if you still have the lead, lead leads and then applications started, completed more like intermediate conversion actions, uh, which are all like all those conversion action optimized towards, then you don't need to kind of hang up on that like last student, um, like actual student enrolled, right? So you can have that upper funnel and middle funnel conversion actions in the mix, but the system will prioritize towards the ones that are actually more important from conversion value perspective, right? So there's no like, definitely as many conversions as possible is, is a good idea, as long as they're relevant and driving the success to your business. Uh, but if you don't have too many conversion actions, think about prioritizing different conversion actions in the mix and focus on them from like expecting value perspective. All right, so uh, you can never have enough data points, makes total sense, but now how do you prioritize those data points? And I think that's uh, what's in these slides, right? So Alex, take us through. Yeah, and then so if you think about like a lead acquisition, so like the, the first step we just um, discovered about, there's a bunch of data signals available from like online perspective. So we have, I think, 500,000, and don't ask me who counted those, uh, no idea, but 500,000 uh, what engineers actually have on the hand for machine learning from the search perspective. And I think 75 million are on display. So really well for data, obviously not all those kind of like signals in real time are gonna be uh, important, but some of them, the ones we don't have like on your fingertips manually, Still going to be well for those signals. Which you so say those numbers again. You seventy-five million signals for this on display. Yeah, exactly. So and how many? Five hundred thousand. That's what the number last time okay. I heard. It that's be interesting because we have this slide that's like seventy million signals evaluated in like milliseconds. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happens because like you're also doing a cross network. So um, right, and, and and I guess the point is. You know, is it 70 million, 75 million? Like those 5 million don't really make a difference to us humans at the end of the day. Like it's yes. not like we were gonna, um, but the machines, the more data you give them, the more signal they can see, right? So that's kind of the, the underlying point. Exactly, and then if you keep in mind that not all of them is gonna be immediately as much important as other ones. So, but handful of them will be right real time and then making the decision left of intent based on those is really important. So this is just an example as you see here from like online perspective. But and, then uh, so we got a couple of people weighing in here. They uh, thumbs up on smart bidding, uh, but no on offline conversion import. And it sounds like not because they don't like it, just haven't gotten there. So I think, we're coming up on the slides here about how do you do that. Um, and Alex, you're also going to share a really cool tool that I wasn't even aware about on how to get started with offline conversion imports. So uh, stick around. In about five minutes, we'll be right at that content. Yeah, exactly. So right. and uh, once you transition off what information you give to the system from online perspective, it's really important to like that first party data information uh, which, by the way, is anonymized and really like uh, strict on privacy rules and everything. But once you import that information back, 
speaks to a lot more information which we could not have counted. So like your information about student enrolled actually could be accounting from your perspective, things like SAT scores, your do they getting awards, like all, all that great information telling um, on the back end of your CRM systems, does that actually student qualified maybe as intermediate steps, will they be enrolled or not? So passing down that information back to the system will tell you, okay, well, First of all, you have more extra touch points, extra conversion to optimize towards, but then there's like a wealth of signals that you associate that conversion action on the back end, right? And what was interesting here is, um, so if somebody says, yeah, we have SAT scores for our uh, leads, but you can't actually tell Google the SAT scores for your leads, right? So, mm -hmm. and that's the trick with OCI is, how do you kind of take everything that you know, which Google has no field for you to import that data, like how do you still communicate? And that's what we'll talk about with uh, offline conversion imports. Yeah, exactly. So the system is only as uh, smart and uh, as, as accurate and efficient as your conversion actions you actually provide. So we'll focus on the, on this technique. Uh, but before going to this one, there's like a concept here with uh, Boston Consulting Group actually uh, did the research uh, in, in agencies and, and customers, like uh, to which extent that they utilize that um, as we call it, actor human supervision. So like adjustments on any sort or like directing the nudging the machine learning to the way they want to go. And it turned out for the, um, the customers and agency who do, so there's actually 15% uh, of incremental more uplift in conversion value. So definitely encourage that, that collaboration uh, between the machine learning algorithm. Just not just let it be. Uh, of course, it's gonna perform much better than manual but also help with um, implementing new touch points and then give you that uh, wealth of uh, first party data you have so that it performs even better. And then that's cool, right? Because basically we're saying those, uh, everyone here who's using smart bidding while well, you're capturing the 20% uh, improvement. But now if you do the OCI and value direction, then you get another 15%. And that's averages, of course, but that's, uh, you know, you'll get almost as much gain from doing the techniques we're talking about here as from just implementing smart bidding. And kind of once you think about it, your business, obviously not all your customers will be contributing the same value to your business. Um, and uh, that's exactly as we think about more of like um, well, the next techniques and uh, assigning different expected values and where you should be prioritizing your time from a fine conversion import perspective. Even in, in like retail perspective, we touched like you have your dynamic tracking, um, Good news is that the system knows what kind of products uh, you know the customers interested to buy, and if the products touch points are really different in value. So even though you have one conversion action purchases, on the back end system knows actually how much value will that particular customer bring to the business. So what's on the on the auction level happening is that uh, the system not only predicts conversion rate. But also, if you're utilizing the techniques of value-based bidding, which is target rise and maximize conversion value, then it also predicts conversion value, expected conversion value for that auction, so like real time, like millisecond, right? And then even though you have like maybe only one per conversion action purchases, like more like a standard for retail. Um, and for lead gen is also like for educational kind of examples, if you're prioritizing different conversion actions, so like in, in this example, you have your filled out an interest form, which is maybe value $10, and sign up for like free online course, you will be telling the system that the, the second one is actually three times more important to you from the 
conversion value perspective. And then the, as the prediction goes within auction in real time, it will also lean heavier to prioritize the ones that actually uh, have a higher likelihood and chances of uh, signing up for a free online course. Um, yeah, and in the short, as I mentioned before, use a value-based bidding again. It's target wise and uh, maximize current value when available for you to to prioritize your leads uh, and then assign like a more like a quality scoring. So don't again hang up on the actual numbers as much. It really pays off if you have that actual financial information. They work really well with your teams, but uh, the the weights are more important here. And this is why you should be doing it. So like if you're only focusing on the number of conversions, which is great because still it's better than not focusing on conversions at all, uh, but you're gonna be more efficient in allocating your bits and resources, right? So there's no uh, missed opportunity and there's no overinvestment in some of the customers who may be uh, less keen on the, in terms of revenue they can bring to your business. A um, couple more things, like once you consider what to bring to the system, right? So definitely offline uh, conversion tracking is really important. But then if you do do not have, for some reason, we're going to talk about the new, new tool we have, which helps you to bring that information. But don't be uh, discouraged uh, to still you you'll utilize like more like a value approach or more prioritization techniques. Even with online conversion tracking, we still see a significant uplift say like typical example, like we have like the old dealership, all, all, like all the, all the client, right? They have their calls, they have lead form submissions. Um, still like assigning different values to those, they could be able to grow their business significantly. Um, and uh, Yeah, and, and one cool thing here, so with online conversion tracking, it, it really requires that in real time when something happens, you already make those value judgments. And that's kind of hard because now you as the marketing team need to formulate what is that value decision and then go and talk to your engineering team that runs the website so that they can put in the correct values. But to do all of those calculations in like near real time, it, it's difficult. It's not as easy as it sounds, right? So that's why a lot of people don't put the exact correct values in at the time of the online conversion. But what if you could say, you know, you get your list of leads at the end of the day and you just run it through a scoring process, which can take as long as you need it to take, right? It can be a slow process where you do it manually and I don't recommend doing it manually, but you could do it manually or you could run it through some like little machine learning regression model that you have at your company, um, which takes more time, but it's okay, it takes more time because now at the end of that process, you're able to feed that data back into Google. And if you got it wrong, while well, the next day you do it again and you again update the values into Google. And so you you progressively become more and more precise and that helps the machine make better and better decisions as you get more precise about what it is you truly care about. So that's why offline conversion import is so important. Exactly. And then from offline conversion tracking perspective, like you have like up until um, 90 days to import, import that uh, offline conversions to the system, right? But, but, the you know if you need to adjust some values and then here's an actually examples um of um, what you can do so from the retail side there's actually a lot more advanced techniques you can go for as well so for like ecom trans transactions will be your first step when you're tracking the values and revenue how much they bring to your business but then some customers now are trying to again tie that connection with their uh, profitability and then really spill 
um, be working with closely with their finance team. So instead of actually just revenue itself, gross revenue, they bring the profit. So by estimating that with the gross profit margins, they have an account. So like, like importing not just the revenue itself, but actual profit. How cool is it? You can now optimize for profit with value-based bidding or smart bidding strategies, right? You can step in, like take a step beyond. You not only optimize for profit, you can actually assign lifetime value of the customer to the values you import back. And now you're optimizing for customer lifetime value. So it's really cool and then speaks to that uh, notion of um, having that uh, active human supervision. Yeah, and I think I'm talking about this slide um, Alex, tell me if you wanted to talk about this one. Um, but yeah, so most of us have heard about offline conversion imports. There's also a technique called conversion adjustment. Um, and, and so here's the thing, right? With offline conversion imports, you have to get the GCLID from Google. And you have to put the GCLID into your CRM system. And so it's this whole new piece of data that you kind of have to like start thinking about. You probably didn't have it before. Your engineers who built a website didn't think about GCLIDs because it's not something that's in their realm of expertise. Now, the nice thing with conversion adjustment is you don't need a GCLID. All you need is a, a unique transaction ID. And guess what? Every time you do a transaction, you probably have a unique ID for that already. The only thing you need to do is in the conversion pixel, add one additional line, which is, this is the transaction ID. And then at any point in the future, or not any point, but in the next 55 days after that transaction was logged through a conversion, you get to go and restate it, um, right? And so a use case would be customers who bought $100 worth of product, but they returned $60 worth of it restate the value, tell Google that, no, it wasn't $100, but it was $40 that you sold. Or you do your margin and profit calculations like Alex said. You do that offline and then you restate it. You say, no, it was $100 worth of sales, but it was actually $10 worth of profit. By the way, you'd never want to put your profit data in the online conversion tracking because guess what? The customer could just like look at the source code of the page and they could know exactly how much profit you made on a sale, right? If I go... I buy a lot of sneakers. If I buy a bunch of sneakers and I look at the profit margin and I'm like, really? Adidas made that much money on my sale? Like, let me wait for these sneakers to go on sale or let me find a better coupon or something. Yeah, that's that's one of the common objections for sure over here. So uh, yeah, but from a flying conversion tracking perspective, you can put that information. Exactly, but the beauty is with conversion adjustments, this all happens on the back end. Your customer doesn't see this, but the smart bidding system from Google does get it and becomes smarter because of it. Um, and it's actually easier to implement. So that's why I think it's such a good thing. And uh, if you haven't heard about this, um, go ahead and click on that link right there. Actually, you can click on the link, but look it up on Google and you'll find all yeah, the how to adjust your con conversions. That's an actual uh, name of the article from health support. So I have a lot of information from technical implementation, what's available or not. Do you need um, some sort of tech cracking or not? And use cases are really predominant. So like even like, for example, you have hotel, and then somebody cancels, right, or doesn't show up necessarily for that booking, so or the travel industry, right? So that's really predominant. So check it out. Um, you know, so if you're really tracking those conversions, might as well just restate them to make accurate data. Exactly. Okay, and uh, Emmy, I think you have another case study for us. Uh, sorry, I just um, I just shared that link, so you will see it in a in a chat as well. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So this is another case from uh, interactive brokers. 
Um, so what uh, the challenge is specialized audience. Uh, so they have very specialized niche audience and to increase the volume of qualified prospects. So it's a very uh, similar concept as the other one. Um, and then what they did with the Google sales team and the partner is important offline bottom funnel conversion metrics and align reporting and decision-making with the marketing objectives. Um, so based on these two cases, we can say uh, that offline conversion is increasingly more important and everyone is seeing increased performance. And based on your existing performance as well, we can see average 8% increase in ROAS as well. And then we've seen a lot better cases as well, but in average, 8% uh, in ROAS. Uh, so highly recommend trying both offline conversion and smart bidding together. Exactly. So, and sorry, I should have shown those numbers while you were talking about them, but luckily you had them in your head. Great. All right. So, um, so I think we're preaching to the choir here, right? Like everybody does smart bidding. We know this works, but we all want to get to OCI. Uh, but how do we make it easier? And I think, Alex, this is the new tool that you wanted to share. Yeah, and uh, we definitely heard loud and clear, everyone, so that uh, it could be challenging to import a flank and conversion track. And so a couple months ago, I think we launched a new tool, uh, which is called OCI Helper. So um, you can go at ocihelper.withgoogle.com. So really seamless and really like robust tool in terms of making sure uh, you know what are like actual steps uh, you can take, um, and the, the benefits of guess it's response is actually uh, encourage collaboration. So if you're not the technical point of contact of your team, you can assign the the tasks, uh, and uh, it's really the process is customized to your industry um, and and, and the agency, agency type. So take a look. Uh, encourage everyone to. Um, it's really seamless, and so far great feedback from the industry. So if you haven't uh, checked it out, and if you're you know, hesitating to do that offline conversion import, um, this is a great solution for you. And so it sounds like a bit of a project management tool so that you can bring together the various stakeholders and mm -hmm. is kind of the central place that tells people when to do what? Project mm -hmm. management, but it's also like actually steps you need to take from an import perspective. So it's really more of like a technically customizable and uh, um, great like, solution for everyone. Nice. So. All right. So yeah, OCI helper is one technique. And then the, the other technique is using a tool like Zapier. Many of you are probably familiar with Zapier. Um, but Zapier can connect to your CRM system. And so assuming that you've put the GCLID into your CRM. By the way, uh, we have a really good article on, on the Optimizer blog on how to grab the GCLID through Google Tag Manager and stick it into Google Analytics. Um, and so that's just one implementation, but you could sort of tweak that to stick the GCLID into your CRM system or drop it in a form. Um, and maybe Ashwin can find the link and, uh, and show that up on the screen and in the comments as well. Ashwin's our producer behind the scenes, by the way, for those of you who don't know that name. But uh, but yeah, you have those options. You have Zapier. And so the thing with Zapier is once you're in your CRM system, you identify a, a prospect as a marketing qualified lead or someone who actually became a customer, and maybe you've got some identifiers about prospective lifetime value, all of that data can now flow from your CRM automatically back into Google through a connection with Zapier. Um, Zapier, by the way, we support it as well in Optimizer. 
So uh, through alerts and blueprint tasks, anything that comes out of uh, the optimizer system, you can send into your task management system, or you could put it into a Google Sheet. Um, so Zapier is a great solution to move data between different places. Uh, really helpful to marketers as well. So if you haven't looked at that, recommend you do. Um, and then there's the third option, right? Okay, so we've covered offline conversion import, which requires the GCLIT. We've covered value adjustments, which requires a transaction ID. And these two, the, the last two are really cool because they're super specific. They look at one click and what happened to that click through the GCLIT, where they look at one transaction and what happened to that transaction through the transaction ID. Um, you should use those because they're, they're the most specific, but sometimes you can't. There's an easier option. This one's still currently in beta from Google, but this is conversion value rules. And so here you can basically say that certain attributes of customers in your mind equate to desirable behaviors, okay? And if that's a desirable behavior, then you can overvalue that conversion. Um, so think of it like bid adjustments applied to smart bidding. So um, here's an example. So how does it work? So say that you know that users in New York are really valuable to you because historically you know that if somebody buys in New York, they tend to become a repeat customer. So you can overvalue that by 20%. And you can literally say if the conversion came from New York, add 20% more to the value. And so it's, it's more um, generic, right? Because now you're doing this for groups of people. Obviously not every single customer from New York is gonna be 20% more valuable, but you're making an aggregate decision about it to still kind of steer the machine in the direction that you think works well for your business. And so here's a couple of use cases, and Alex, I invite you to, uh, you know. Share. Yeah, so like the three use cases are geolocation adjustments, right, to Google, like, and your first party audience data. So think about like, if you imported that customer match list um, and you really know for sure that uh, it's gonna be more the different values that they'll bring to the to the business um you can like we encourage you to definitely um to check it out and then this this tool conversion value rules helps you to uh, state different values so the, the the way it will work in a the system then you're actually gonna um again everything that there's so many signals already worked in consideration on the back end even if you import the actual first party data as well but if there's some reason you think that that location or that audience specifically or that device for your business, you need to focus more on that, you can add the value so that, uh, say, like extra $20, for example, for people in New York or like, you know, extra $30 for people who are from that customer match list so that the system will know that there's like higher expected value which will bring to the business while you focus on this one. And we'll take that into consideration from the bidding perspective. Right, so we'll be a lot more um, aggressive, like in terms of the um, and understanding the impact, and then taking that in consideration that extra value you provide. Yeah. Um, and this, by the way, I mean, I don't know if you can share anything on the availability of this beta, uh, but what I did want to say is that Optimizer is currently working on an integration with this uh, this capability. So Optimizer customers later this summer will uh, will have a way to start using this through our capabilities. And what we'll do specifically is we'll help you make these value decisions. So we'll kind of prioritize and, and we might tell you, these are the primary locations from which we see a lot of volume coming. So can you tell us something about these? And can you do relative rates? 
um, because that's often the hard thing. And Alex was talking about that too. Too many advertisers, they get stuck in, in saying, should I add 10% of value or 15% or 20%? And there's no real right answer, right? This is about directionality. It's about, is someone from New York more valuable than California? Yes. Okay, great. New York higher than California. Um, New York versus New Jersey. Uh, okay, New York's still better. So New Jersey is now kind of like in the middle, but then you ask New, New Jersey versus California, which one's better? And so you, you, you kind of start stacking all of these locations to say, okay, here's my prioritized list. And then we can set in bid adjustments that keep it in that relative order. And then the machine can go and do its thing. So we'll make that a lot easier. And uh, one more thing, so to keep in mind, not not to overthink this one, right? So like this is for like really edge cases where you need to make those adjustments. It's like we have like, for example, like one retail client who have different in-store locations, right? And then uh, they're optimizing for actually uh, like offline sales as well as online sales, like more only channel revenue. So from, from those perspective, like they know for sure, like New York is like 30% higher in terms of like offline conversion revenue they bring to the business. So something from online we don't know. Um, and they are like really like prioritizing that location. So given that using this data for that perspective, but from on, on average and in general, like it's encouraging to think the smart being actually knowing like your audience and all the data off of data signals on the back end already. So if it knows like one person in California or like in Oklahoma will be more valuable to you, it will pick up those signals already automatically. So you don't have to overthink about it. You don't necessarily need this beta to do uh, what you're doing already. So like prioritizing customers and bringing more higher value. So this is more of like an advanced technique if you're something you're, uh, the system wouldn't know from like your fine conversion data. Uh, so yeah. All right, uh, and Emmy, uh, Jim, one of our astute viewers, noticed that there's a reference to this guide yeah. about the slides. So uh, can you guys share these slides in any way? Yeah, so we, uh, we won't be able to share this exact slide with everyone this time, but we will publish some of this key contents on Optimizer blog after this webinar. So you'll get some of these. Yes, uh, so we'll, we'll get that blog post live next week, Jim. Um, and if you want to write into our support team, support at optimizer.com, they can let you know when that's uh, live or you can just subscribe to the blog. By the way, everyone subscribe to the YouTube channel. We do these sessions every two weeks. So uh, it's a good way to stay on top of all the latest information. Okay, but back to these slides here. Um, so with the conversion value rules, we've kind of explained what you can do, but basically you can look at audiences, geolocation devices, Audience is really cool because this is a lot of first-party data. And as we're starting to hear more and more about Flock and the retirement of third-party cookies and third-party data, the more that you can focus on using something or doing something useful with your first-party data, that's great. And this tool uh, exactly enables that. So look to conversion value rules. The one word of caution is conversion, um, so smart bidding already considers differences in conversion rate performance based on these factors. So do not use this technique, don't use conversion value rules to tell Google that people in California fill out the form, your lead gen form twice as often as someone in New York, right? That you have twice the conversion rate because the machine already knows that. What you need to tell the machine is, what's the thing that I haven't told Google, right? After somebody fills out the form, do I know that someone in California behaves differently than someone in New York? 
that's what you want to use this for. Uh, and again, if you can be precise, if you can use offline conversion import with the GClip data, then use that because then Google can say, oh, well, here's this click from this user with the 500,000 attributes that Alex was talking about. Which of these attributes seem to indicate a higher likeliness of that person truly becoming a customer? In the absence of that precision, you use value rules to make kind of common judgments on people in locations, on devices, in audience lists. Yeah, exactly. So offline conversion import is like much more precise. Even though you don't have like that accurate information and data, still you can prioritize like that bottom of the funnel or mid funnel conversion action will be much more uh, accurate and precise and give you the notch of the, the machine learning to direction you like to go. Exactly. Okay, so um, I want to leave people with one final place to look at this. So, so really we've discussed today why smart bidding gets better if you use value-based uh, directionality. Again, I think that's preaching to the choir. We all get that. Most of us use smart bidding. Uh, but then what are the three ways that you can get started to actually set that directionality and communicate values? And we've done a blog post on the Optimizer blog in the last week. Uh, this describes those three ways. Um, and again, as we said, it's offline conversion uh, imports. There's conversion value adjustments, and there's the conversion value rules beta. So you can read more about these here, uh, get some links to help materials, but really good resources to get started. And like we saw, uh, advertisers who do this seem to, on average, benefit another 15%. So it, it really does unlevel the playing field for you. All right. Um, so that's what we wanted to share with people today. Um, we're also pretty close to uh, the time we had allocated here. We'd love to see if there's any more questions. Um, also put in the chat, are you convinced? Are you going to start using OCI value adjust, uh, conversion value rules? Did we teach you something new? Hopefully. Um, so let us know if, uh, if we did a good job helping you here today. Uh, Alex, any, any final thoughts from you? No, I think that definitely um, the optimizer great partner. So read up to subscribe to the blog uh, and uh, attend this uh, town hall session. So I think definitely um, utilizing that uh, machine algorithm, which already has a lot of information, but feeding more from your first party data, it's really going to be helpful for you to um, optimize for business outcomes, which you'd like to achieve. Great. Emmy, parting words yeah. from you. Yeah, looking at all the comments from the audience, everyone seems to be using smart bidding already, but not offline conversion. So I'm glad we touched up on that, but we didn't go deep dive today. So I'm thinking about for the next session, uh, something around OCT or getting the comments from everybody. And based on the uh, questions and feedback, we will uh, try and set up another webinar focusing on OCI. Yeah. And I think, uh, Matthias, thank you for that feedback. So the sad reality is this is actually more complicated than just like flipping a switch. If it was just flipping a switch, I think more than 5% of people would be doing it. Uh, but it's also really what sets, what gives you the opportunity as agencies, as PPC experts, to take your client's account and your business account to the next level. Um, so absolutely read up. Um, some of these things are not ultimately that complicated to do after you do you go through your checklists. Um, so definitely invite everyone to look at that. Um, there is a good question here from Dave yeah. about limitations on uh, um, sort of private data. Yeah, maybe we should touch. Um, uh, we'll get back to you, Dave, uh, if you can email us. 
that'd be great. Yeah, and and so Emmy's uh, going to do that. So from my perspective, the thing is, you're not really uploading private data, right, Dave? So basically, if you sell insurance, you're looking at attributes within your business of who signed up for a higher level of insurance, like who's got recreational vehicles, who's got five recreational vehicles, vacation homes, right? That's probably a better customer for you because they're going to have more policies than someone who just has a, a single car. Um, you know that, but that, that doesn't mean you have to tell Google, oh, hey, Fred's got like, he's got an RV and he's got a motorcycle, which by the way, I don't, um, right? But, but that's, you're not sharing that personal data. You're just telling Google, hey, well, here was a click and based on something I knew in my business, I want more of these types of clicks. And I'm, I'm not telling you what the attributes were, but you Google within your 500,000 signals, can you find me more of that type of person? Um, right? And so I, I think that's where there's sort of a, a line drawn between the personal information that you have versus what you communicate back into Google, which does yes. it. It's a, it's a distinction between what you track and then so the data is still going to be anonymized based on your GCLEAD information, which is an anonymous string of 100 characters, right? So you're only like telling, okay, for this GCLEAD, this is how much actually value I got from the back end. And that's pretty much what your flank road and tracking will be. From uh, there's a not to confuse with like uh, actually targeting, right? So from the targeting perspective, there's definitely limitations. And I'll encourage you to read in our support articles about the uh, um, personal identifying information on how you cannot target specific verticals and industries. So uh, you can say like for one particular customer within that healthcare and insurance industry that you can uh, you can customize the ad for them, but uh, you can track information for flanker version track information. But again, I encourage everyone to read more support articles on this one. Yeah. Um, and what might be good here, so I'll, I'll tell you about a couple of sessions that Optimizer does. So uh, every, or twice a month, we do the PPC town hall. So we'll be back in two weeks uh, with another set of great panelists. I'm hearing the feedback that we could do more sessions on OCI. Um, they may actually be better suited for a Tuesday session. We do twice a month, which is learn with Optimizer. And that's where we look a little bit more inside of our tool, get really hands-on practical, like how do you implement some of these things as opposed to here in PPC Town Hall where we try to tee up the concepts and hear from a variety of people why they use them, why they like them, why they don't like them, uh, kind of what we did today, right? So um, really great to hear that people are excited about the potential of OCI, but now we got to help you actually uh, implement it. So, so we'll announce some new sessions for Learn with Optimizer, and those are also on the uh, Optimizer YouTube channel. So if you subscribe to that, you'll get word of those sessions as well. well with that, fantastic guests. I uh, love it when we are able to share things people haven't necessarily been able to do and tell them why these would be great opportunities. So Alex, Emmy, thanks for being here. Everyone, thanks for watching us today. Subscribe to the channel um, and let us know at Optimizer if there's anything we can help with. Um, reach out to the support team and we'll do our best to make you as effective as possible in PPC. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye now. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much, Tim. Bye-bye.